Broadcasting live from the hive of the eye tyrant on the plane of the forgotten realms. This is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. <laughs> My name is Graham. Joining me is Cameron. Huh? And Nelson. Uh. And today we're doing a Q&A episode because it's about that time. Because we'll be talking about a whole lot more Innistrad Midnight Hunt and Historic Horizons in the very near future. But before we do that, a reminder that we are brought to you by Card Kingdom. Please check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR. Buy your cards there. It's great. You'll be able to order, like I said, Midnight Hunt very soon. And if you tell them Loading Ready Run sent me, button please. They'll give you a little one-inch button, which I have just received word is our newest one. Lands in front, party in the back. I love that so much. I'm so happy that that happens. That's a Wheelerism, isn't it? I cannot remember. I hate it with every fiber of my being. Like first, <laughs> first, we're going to like compare our game that we love that we cherish to a hairstyle that makes me like kind of get a little bit like i have to throw up in my throat and then and then we're also gonna like we're gonna combine that with like one of the worst things that you can do while you're playing it's so bad it's perfect actually i respect it i'll say that but it does make me want to like uninstall (laughs) i won't be able to look at it without wincing and i'm just into it i just Mm -hmm. love the mental image of a guy with a mullet doing that yeah absolutely (laughs) joe dirt shows up to a grand prix round one he's on whatever land destruction is possible (laughs) like it's standard and he doesn't do anything till turn four and then starts demolishing your lands their opponents just like what lands in front and then just as a response is party in the back like it's just (laughs) in game two he calls a judge over five times during the match just to like ask if something that you did is legal it's totally fine but he just keeps calling the judge over and then like gets visibly tilted and then after the match asks if you want to go for a beer and you're just like what is happening (laughs) (laughs) wow i have a range of emotions about this button (laughs) i love it the show is also brought to you by you and your kind support of our patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run but i also really enjoy this narrative we're creating all right well let's get right into it Uh, james put the call out on twitter for some questions and here are those questions questions that will be followed by our answers that we have not prepared in advance. And I say that in case there are moments of uh, Basilisk 18 says, do you think it's fair to not want to play against a deck that is primarily about stealing your stuff and using it against you specifically in the context of online webcam play where tracking the board state becomes much more difficult? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I was I was actually with you before the caveat. I was like, yeah, it's totally fair to not want to play against decks that just steal your stuff and use it against you. Oh, 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 in that context. Oh, that that's just (laughs) that's just logic. I really felt this one like as soon as the pandemic started and we've done online commander, you know, a bunch. And I just have this Gaunty deck that was like Gaunty Lord of Luxury is like Mm -hmm. the card that make me start actually having fun in commander. Like I've only played commander a few times before starting to kind of regularly play on FNPF or maybe, you know, like 10 or 20 times. But like my my beginning of my career with commander was this. I would play it like once or twice a year whenever I was sort of press ganged into it. And I was like, okay, I'll play a multiplayer magic with you. This isn't what I do. This isn't how I usually have fun with the game, but like I'll do it for this reason or that reason. And then I discovered playing Gaunty Lord of Luxury and I just started playing like every tuesday night for several months and then the pandemic hit and i was like damn (laughs) i am gonna struggle to try to find another deck that's as fun yeah we have a i mean it it comes up sometimes when we're playing the pre-constructed decks because we don't like swap any cards out but when we're doing our own commander decks for friday night paper fight Again, during the pandemic, we do have like a gentle person's agreement of like, please don't include mind control or, you know, like thief of sanity, you know, 
cards that involve pulling things out of your opponent's deck and putting them on your board. And it, it still comes up from time to time, but we try not to make it a big feature precisely because it is just it's difficult to track, especially since like it's difficult to track for the players. We're also putting on a show for the viewers and it's di- difficult for them as well. Yeah, th- this is always a tricky conversation to have. I remember having this conversation with people back when I played like Warhammer and War Machine to a lesser extent there, but just like, man, this list is not fun and we can do this but (laughs) you know i might start to bring the ruckus too right (laughs) it's like clausewitz said you know the war escalates all the time right it never voluntarily de-escalates but these are conversations that occasionally you need to have where you can just say i don't enjoy playing against this deck i would rather not do that anymore and normalize doing that in gaming Mm -hmm. hell normalize doing that in life just being like yeah you know what i'm not i'm not feeling it you're allowed to dislike things. Yeah. Maybe I'm not going to go to the gym today and just acknowledge that I just don't want to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think in this case, it's also just like, it's just practical. Yeah. Very, yeah. very. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the practical thing during during the Pandini is like, this is a pain to deal with. It's logistically a pain and it is difficult for everyone. And I don't know, insisting on it feels like you're just trying to get in your friend's heads. Mm-hmm. But that's projecting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I sympathize with these players that you have to have these tough conversations with, though, as the Gaunty guy. It's like I even just made Valky a deck after Call Time came out, and that was still during the pandemic. And I was just like, well, I just really like this card. And I played several online commander games with Valky, but it's like the same exact thing. So that also has gotten taken apart. And yeah, I don't know if if you're like me and this is your poison in commander. I think it's important, though, to recognize both both during the era of webcam commander and spell table and just in general, like, hey, if your friends don't like playing against it and it's no fun for them like why bother like what what are we here for you know you're not winning a commander tournament you should just be like at the table so that you and your friends have fun so recognize that slash and rant moving on to question two from ogier 300 which evergreen mechanic is your favorite windmill slam cycling actually i don't know if cycling cycling. counts as evergreen but it should be because it's good cycling counts as wintergreen because it's (laughs) you know it's usually around you can usually find it in like an op four or something if that's your favorite gum you can usually get it it's refreshing it's yeah versatile wintergreen love it i like flying a lot is that too boring an answer I just it's been like almost 30 years and I still think people undervalue flying. I, I mean, I was going to say flying just because it's it's no, no, no. It, I agree with you. It, it's just it's it's very straightforward. It's like this creature flies. So that creature can't block it because this creature is flying over top. Oh, but that creature is large enough that it can reach it. OK, that makes sense. Makes a lot of intuitive sense. I guess maybe a more true like you're the boss so you can have flying. I There's like a probably more honest answer that's sort of doesn't count like cycling where it's like just cards that say or maybe i could just go with prowess i could say prowess i do like prowess a lot that's they've made a never green mechanic now but what i really like is when something happens that cares about instants and sorceries and that seems to always be around like usually it's in red and blue but sometimes other colors care about instant sorceries too and i generally just feel like i'm having more fun playing magic if what i'm doing is ignoring the normal part of it where you're supposed to summon monsters to attack your opponent and instead just like doing a bunch of prestidigation and you know making colorful explosions happen in the background that probably don't lead to you winning Mm -hmm. yeah i don't have anything further to add flying's really good it's better than you think it is even though you know it's good next question from xanalath says what is something you're surprised hasn't been updated in arena my ability to buy the jace puppet i would 100 percent buy the jace i regret 
I, hi, my name is Cameron, and I regret not buying the Jace Puppet when I had the opportunity. Is it not available now? I don't think it is. Oh, I've, no. I've looked. What a shame. That horrible homunculus. Yeah, I think battle pass rewards would be good i missed buying like the call time stickers and i missed buying the zendikar stickers and i regret the 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 best sticker that they've ever made is still the one of will kenrith trying to work out what's going on Mm -hmm. i actually Mm -hmm. really like two out of the three from afr like i really like ellie wick jamming away grumpily at you like she's got her frog and she's like you know strumming on her loot or whatever but it's like with this like grumpy energy and then there's this tilted out i mean maybe i don't know maybe it's like the evil laugh like i got you beholder but i only ever use it to be like ah you top decked me god okay i'm dead you got me Rah. i definitely think that beholder is more sort of like maniacal <laughs> but all right but i i, I love that the Eliwick sticker is a reference to road to el dorado oh okay mm-hmm. i didn't catch that i haven't seen that movie I honestly I haven't either but I've seen a lot of memes from it it definitely definitely struck a chord with like a couple years of (laughs) of our peers there nice that wasn't meant to be a musical pun but I guess it I guess it was I mean if I'm being completely honest with this with this question a spectator mode is what I'm yeah I'm Mm -hmm. frankly flabbergasted still after this long of a pandemic that they still don't have a proper spectator mode I think it has to not be have they sorry is, is there an article where they come out and said like when the pandemic's over we'll be able to get secretary mode i feel like at this point arena has been out for so long now that it's just like a priority like it's not something they want to bother with i was saying that that because of the pandemic with everything moving to arena all oh, the right. premier play being on arena i'm surprised they didn't fast track a spectator mode at this point it's clear they just do not care about it that yeah. it's like it, this is this is not a priority for us probably ever and i think that's wrong but i i you know they they've decided they don't want to do it clearly and that's the one thing that i still think is desperately missing from arena i'm gonna you know lurk into the comments later tell me why you listening believe they haven't done it if you have like some sort of legal explanation or if there's if it's actually something that's difficult to code i know other games do it i I think ideally you you just have a setting where you're like either anyone can watch my games or like only the people on my friends can watch my games. So you have permissions for it, right? And then, yeah, I mean, it just seems like the community gets so much out of there being a spectator mode. Like it produces so much good in terms of like updates to the game. It's flabbergasting. Yeah, it's surprising and frustrating that it hasn't come yet. Next question from Yamahako says, what is one positive you will take out of the adaptations you've had to make in your MTG content due to the pandemic? I mean, the way that, you know, following directly on from that last question, the way that Paul has come up with a broadcast solution for showing arena very similar to the way that wizards does but with the moving bar up and down so you can see one player's whole battlefield and the other player's hand that's very useful and in situations where even after the pandemic if we do anything on arena like more gladiator games or things of that kind then you know that'll be very nice to have yeah yeah like paul has done some brilliant work but as for other, like, more game-related things, I'm really struggling to come up with anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's playing Paper Magic has a lot of advantages. Yeah. Recording this podcast in person has some advantages, too. Yep. Exactly. 
Yeah, good point. But yeah, no, I I mean, I think if I was to take one thing out of the Pandini, it is an appreciation for how much the actual physical presence of my friends matters to me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, glad that we've continued to produce so much content because it means like, say, you know, if someone's sick or if someone like I'm I'm in Texas right now, I'm like visiting with my um, in-laws. I'm not in the same city as Cam and Graham. Like, and, and if we're in that situation, we can still produce the content you know like if Graham, if you end up going to like a pax australia again or you know any any reason why we can't otherwise meet in person we have the ability to do these arena streams and these podcasts so like that's cool we can lean on it in the future mm-hmm. also yeah paul's amazing yeah yeah but you know it'd be great this with nachos mm-hmm. <laughs> and people. we could develop some sort of like artificial intelligence machine learning noise canceling algorithm to only take out the sound of nachos being eaten so that we can still communicate without just like boring a hole in our listeners ears (laughs) yeah all right paul get on it okay handle (laughs) it love it you're welcome everyone i did it thank you you, Cameron. how do you balance this is the next question from distract distract delude yeah it's not distracted lewd, it's distract delude. Anyway, how do you balance your spending on MTG with other hobbies? I also collect various games workshop things, which are not cheap, and wrestling DVDs and merch as well. This year, I've been thinking I should just quit MTG as the sheer volume of products is too high and cost prohibitive. That's an interesting question. I mean, a lot of that obviously is going to come down to your personal your your personal things. I'm, I'm not going to be like, yeah, you should quit magic so you can buy more wrestling gear. That That's up to you. But to your question, you know, how do you balance spending MTG on other hobbies? My, my hobbies are mostly what I do for work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like magic. I mean, magic included magic, I think is probably the, the hobby that I do for work that I most also do for fun outside of work. So, you know, there's, there's that. And I do spend personal money on it, but you know, like what, what are my other hobbies? I don't know. The video editing, making jokes, <laughs> you know? So those, those, I, I'm in a, I'm in an awkward spot to reply because it's like, well, for my magic hobby, I'll spend some money on it. And for my video editing hobby, the office will buy tapes or a camera, you know, that said, I try not to spend like too much on magic because you're right. There is this massive amount of magic. So, you know, it's like it's picking and choosing. Magic is huge and you don't have to engage with every part of it just because they release a product doesn't mean you have to buy every single product. And I absolutely do not buy every single product. You know, I put a put a chunk of change into arena every so often and the physical cards that that i that i like that i think are neat or i'll buy a product that it seems like it would be fun to open or whatever but i'm certainly not you know like well new sets out gotta buy a booster box yeah yeah i'm definitely in the same boat i i comb through sets and find the singles that i want and then i just buy those singles instead mm-hmm. of buying sealed product and then you know if i want to draft then i draft and then i flip those cards yeah because like none of these hobbies are cheap right they've all been kind of calibrated to take up roughly the uh same amount of money which is all of your money yeah because you're <laughs> in the magic and the games workshop yeah yeah and let me tell you games workshop spending is a lot easier to control when you're like i am not allowed to buy something until i have painted my last thing because in games workshop uh, warhams have a term that they refer to as the shame pile Mm. which i might be i might believe is borrowed from uh scale modelers Mm -hmm. right like my shame pile occupies the entire acreage under my bed and that is just the product that you buy you take the shrink wrap off of you examine you put the lid back on 
and then you're like, well, that's done for now. <laughs> Not even a white coat, hey? Not even. I know that feeling. All right. I want to weigh in with like the person who's probably, I'm going to guess has spent the most on MTG. I don't know if I have the best collection, but I've probably spent the most on magic between the three of us. And if you're going to get into the like constructed land where you're like, you're actually playing more than one deck in a format per, per season or whatever, right? Like you, you want to be able to switch decks or you want to have multiple decks ready to go in case the metagame seems like it favors the one that you weren't playing just this last week. It favors a different deck and you want to, you want to catch up. You want to be like on the, the cutting edge of the, you know, the metagame, which I think is the position that costs the most other than just being the like rich collector. Like if you're, if your position in MTG is I need to own everything, which your question kind of seems to imply, I would quit. Actually, I think you shouldn't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, you, mm-hmm. Yeah. You might need to like, just examine why it is that you feel you need to own every magic card because that's not necessarily healthy but going back say you're you're just trying to enjoy you play a ton and you're trying to make sure that you have the best chance to win and so you're you're paying to do that and you're aware of that but you you do enjoy and you play with your cards yeah i would say like just make sure that your dollars continue to offer you some enjoyment from your hobby like you know cam just talked about the shame pile and similarly don't just go out and buy like four of all the new chase mythics because you suspect they're going to be in a deck you're going to play because people do that and like sometimes it works out great sometimes they get the you know the okos for ten dollars before they're worth 60 or something and then they play them for you know the six weeks that they're able to and that's fine and then they still sell them for 20 but most of the time when you spend money on a card that's not immediately going into a deck that's some wasted money because you will have the opportunity to buy that card later when you do need it so yeah that's my little piece of advice that and like try to get some decks built that you know you're going to get lots of use out of and then just update them as you need to canadian highlander is great for this nice Mm. yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah. yeah, I guess my my strategy for controlling magic spending was not playing standard anymore. Yeah, standard's tough. You know, standard is the one that's calibrated to make you spend the most money. It's also just sort of the easiest entry point, though. I do, I do still believe that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with, like, standard was interesting because I like working with a limited palette, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's really fun. Like, some standard formats are great. This last yeah, couple years haven't been my favorites, but I have enjoyed some standard formats a great deal and didn't feel bad that I bought $200 worth of Baneslayer Angels and then sold them for, like, $30 total or something silly, you know? But, yeah, you have to make sure that, like, you are getting... Just just only buy the cards you're playing, basically, is short version. Next question from Connor Vezina says, what's one magic set that you personally love that you don't think gets as much attention as it deserves? As Wheeler and I have talked about on various pieces of magic content, we are, I believe, two of the dozen of people who very much enjoyed Avison Restored Limited. So I will... (laughs) I will I will talk about that for a while. I didn't know you were on that bench. Yeah, it's just me and him in Victoria, I think. Yeah, maybe I maybe, maybe one him. other person. All yeah. right, all right, all right. Look, if you can get Cathar's Crusade, it's 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 all it's all over after that. Yeah, there's lots of things in that format that set that make you go it's all over. <laughs> I don't know. I had a lot of fun and success with the format. I I I don't know what to tell you. 
I can't necessarily defend it. It's one of those things where it's like, look, I know it's not great, but I love it. Are you most hoping to? Oh, well, you bought that original art, don't you? You have that. You have the uncommon Cathros Crusade too, don't you? The like four mana creature fall golden Age commander. It's like creature fall. You get plus one plus one for all your creatures. Yeah, it's. I'm gonna look it up real quick. You you would think since, as you mentioned, I have the original art of it in my house. You'd think that I would know exactly what it did offhand, but I I actually bought it largely because it was it it was available and very pretty uh, yeah three and a white for a two two human cleric soldier cleric soldier interesting Neat. whenever another creature enters the battlefield un- under your control creatures you control get plus one plus one till end of turn so yes so it, that's that's what it does yeah chris ron was selling his original oil paintings for preposterously low because this was years ago this was years and years ago at like our first gp vancouver and i think i got it for like four hundred dollars nice and i was like hell yeah original art that's worth that's 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 worth the investment and it's still yeah it's very pretty kathleen got it framed for me for a present and it the framing is beautiful too so i didn't like that format and wasn't very successful at it i thought i had a handle on it and then after watching wheeler draft some more i was like no i just don't even at the end of the format i'm like i don't quite get where these archetypes stack up in terms of power level and i don't understand the pick order so i found that archetype frustrating that that format frustrating but i miss and it's possibly it's just been a long time but i miss shards of alara mm. and uh, and the ensuing sets i played it a lot i played the constructed block format a bunch i had a really dumb nickel bolus deck that i couldn't stop playing because i just enjoyed the fact that nickel bolus was a planeswalker and i wanted to try to get it in play and do mean things with it but it was always a little bit slower and the elspeth decks were always killing me or or the fast decks but I did pretty well at a PTQ for the sealed format of just Shards of Alara. And then I just found the Alara Reborn set to be really fun. Like it was just like, oh, these cards, these commons are so powerful. Like the the kind of feeling of the third set landing was so satisfying and really just kind of made everything else kind of sparkle which doesn't always happen a lot of times it's like the big set in september is like the best one and then the other two sets like okay i gotta try to cobble together a draft deck out of the like worst stuff they give us in the next two sets i feel like theros is a good example of that i think kamigawa was also a good example of that i think mirrodin was a pretty good example of that where it's like all the kind of juice like the best stuff is in the first set but not the case on the shards of Lara block so i i miss drafting that set a little bit or maybe it's just been long enough and I'll, i've forgotten why i hate it so much but uh <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would sign up for a full Shards of Alara block draft if it was affordable. Sweet. Cameron, do you have a... Uh, Eldritch Moon. Oh, yeah. I just, I don't know. This one landed for me hard. It's got a few of my favorite cards in it, like Voldaren Pariah. Just an unspeakably sweet card. I'm a big fan of Madness, and I loved Emerge. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It just, it just, it just hits all my, my check boxes, and... I want more of it. I'm very excited to go back to Innistrad, even though I don't, you know, it's going to break my heart by not having a merge, I believe. I'm hoping that new Innistrad will give you something you like. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I'm, th- there'll be something there, but it's not going to be the same. But I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed Eldritch Moon Limited. It had fun mechanics. It had cool cards. I did quite well at it, I think, relatively. It made me happy. Made me happy. Not sure I have anything else to add to it, but yeah, no, it was good. Sweet. Next question from Why Harry is what are your favorite promo cards or promo treatments? I really liked the Eldrain storybook mm. treatments. But I mean, do I have to 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 say the the Strixhaven Japanese? Oh cards? god, those are so pretty. They are. I spent way too much money. Like, I know I just said, like, you know, you only buy your singles. 
but I wound up buying two collector's boxes of Strixhaven. Oh, wow. wow. And opening them on stream. Way to go. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you want to talk about value tanking. We can talk about value tanking. But <laughs> I really like the MPR full arts. They did Lightning Bolt that they would just send you in, a, in the mail. And then later they did a similar one for going to a Grand Prix. And I like both of those full art Lightning Bolts a lot. But they also gave you, this is back around Shards of Alara time, dating myself here, Paper Boomer. But they, they sent you like Blightnings and Cryptic Command. Cryptic Command is kind of a terrible one because there's so many words on it. It shouldn't <laughs> have been made textless. But there were like, you, you could play this deck that was like mostly cards that the Wizards would send you in the mail just for playing FNM. Like they gave you Savage Lands in the mail, which are just like a kind of cheap card to get anyway. So is Blightning, but still it's like your, your deck looks cooler. And then Bloodbraid Elves, and those were like five bucks sometimes, depending on like what, what deck was the hottest, as well as Terminate. And so it was like a lot of the deck you could kind of cobble together of the cards they just sent you in the mail for showing up and playing. And uh, yeah, I liked the Texas Blightning a lot. Yeah, these were the old textless cards with the slight rounded border in it. Yeah, like, yeah, just the full art or not, not all the way to the full bleed of the edge, like the unhinged lands or anything, but yeah. there was like a thin border. Yeah, there's one of like tidings that's just like yeah. a, a bottle being dropped. That's right. Yeah, I think I've got a, a cancel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a handful of those. I have like searing blaze and incinerate and ones like that. I think I got Kathleen a damnation of nice. that for her commander deck at some point. Yeah, they did they did a whole bunch. That and the Magic Player Rewards was a program that lasted for I want to say close to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty sweet. You know, you just like showed up, you had a DCI number like and then you just filled out a form that was like your DCI number connected to your address and then every season or so you get some cards in the mail. Mm -hmm. I like the the black on black with spot color planeswalkers that they did at comic-con for a couple years mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. those are sweet those are very cool i'm just looking through a list of promo cards and i didn't realize that they did an entire cycle of the chinese zodiac oh yeah what was that they were in portal right i don't know i don't know when this was released but it's like zodiac dog is a two two for three with mountain walk zodiac pig is a three three for four with swamp walk zodiac goat is a one one for one with mountain walk they have Dog, pig, goat, snake, rat, ox, horse, tiger, rabbit, monkey. Huh. I had no idea. I don't know when. This is Magic Online. Oh, no, these were all in P3K. I had never seen them before. They're showing up in the promo search because they were on. They were done as Magic Online promos at some point. Oh, yeah, there's been all kinds of weird Magic Online promos that many people don't even know about. No. Honestly, I also really like the old border. I think that's cool. Oh, yeah, the new new promos, Time Spiral and, yeah. Yeah. and AFR, yeah. Yeah. All right, Modern Horizons 2, I mean. Next question from The Shard Shatter is, are there any particular, quote, failed or forgotten mechanics you wish would get a return or revamp? I mean, Cameron already mentioned Emerge. I'd like to see Emerge. I don't think Emerge failed at all, but, you know, mm -hmm. per perhaps forgotten because it was only in Eldritch Moon, but I would like to see Emerge come back. From the same set, right? Like, there's only three cards with Meld. Yeah, Meld. Or six cards, but, but like, three? That's the yeah. total number that we get? <laughs> We're, yeah. Come on, we, go, we got to bring Meld back at some point. I also really liked Splice. I thought mm -hmm. Splice onto Arcane was kind of cool. Splice did kind of come back recently, right? Yeah, it did come back, didn't it? It, wasn't, it was in Modern Horizons. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's been given a little bit more treatment. Not a ton. Same, same kind of thing, actually, was Ninjutsu, which I don't think qualifies as failed or forgotten by any stretch of the imagination. So I should probably amend that. But it only, it's, it's gotten very limited 
treatment, but I think it's just a really fun mechanic. Yeah, I'm sure there are others that I can't think of because they're forgotten, but <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind. I feel like we could have done more with Bolster. Like Bolster did do a bunch of things and you could get a good Bolster deck, but I I wonder if there's more depth to Bolster. I thought it was a, it was a pretty cool one. It's mm. like straightforward, but yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, Dromoka mechanic. No, so they had, that was like... No, it was another B word. Bolster was the first one from like the okay. Abzan houses, like in the right, you know, okay. cons of Tarkir, the first set. And it was just like, you can pay mana and tap this creature and put a plus one plus one counter on it, but only during, only as a sorcery. So like, I wonder oh, if- Oh, that's Outlast. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Bolster. I was thinking Outlast. Okay, okay. So Bolster was the other one. That's so funny. Bolster is the one where you have to put a plus one plus one counter on what, the creature with the lowest toughness you have? Yes. Okay, so clearly I like both of them, Good. but- <laughs> But yeah, I was think I was trying to think of Outlast. That's so funny. Actually, let me just correct you. No, I'm the one who's wrong. Good. Oh, I see. Oh, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the one where you're at sorcery have to choose to tap your creature for the next combat step and like next whole turn cycle to put a plus one plus counter or not. I just felt like it was a really interesting but simple, you know, choice of how to spend your resources. Yeah. So I, I remember liking that mechanic. And if they did more things like, you know, when this bolsters, there's a triggered ability or like or like some sort of bolster lord that makes them all have two plus one plus one counters and then try to balance that kind of thing like that. That could be cool. Mm hmm. <laughs> got word from james here bring back epic or riot oh yeah <laughs> epic was a cycle there was only five of them from saviors of kamigawa there was five of them each at rare one for each color that had this they were a sorcery that did something and then they had this ability called epic which is for the rest of the game you can't play spells so you don't get to do anything else for the rest of the game but at the beginning of each upkeep you get to copy this spell so you get to do this spell every turn but you can't do anything else. You can still attack and use your permanents, activate abilities and stuff, but you can never yeah. cast a spell again besides this one. Yeah, and there's no way to reverse that. No. So, yeah, I remember because James had Endless Swarm in his snake commander deck, which was you put a 1-1 one, one green snake into play for each card in your hand. So just every turn, like I think he would set up that he had no maximum hand size, right? And so just every turn he's like, all right, upkeep, make eight snakes, attacks, go. <laughs> Next question from... Ninja with a RPG uh -oh, says, what set was your first ever draft? I think it might have been Scars of Mirrodin. That's also my answer, yeah. Onslaught Legion Scourge. Dang, Onslaught Legion Scourge, nice. Yeah, I think one of my first drafts, Jeremy Petter was was like, oh, we should draft on Magic Online. And I was like, what? And, you know, first time drafting, first time using Magic Online for drafting. Did not understand. I was like, well, we, you know, we, we take the we take the card and then we pass the what? What's going on? What? We did okay, I think. Ooh, I have a second answer, actually. Yeah? It doesn't say draft tournament. That's what's implied, obviously, like what we mean by a booster draft where eight people pass packs around and then play. I also was reminded of another story. I got to spend some time with family after, you know, lots of many months of not getting to do that. And my uncle reminded me of our first like drafts we would ever do where we would like split a box of revised which we did a few times or like split a few packs and so he, he would explain the concept of drafting to me this is when i'm like 12 and uh, there was only one card in my collection that or that that i wanted for my collection that i didn't have yet and i don't know i never bought singles and just traded with people and only bought packs which is pretty common i think among children and i get it i sympathize but that's wrong you should just skip buying two packs and then buy the card you want anyways so my uncle opens the Vizu Vendapa Ganger, and obviously it's the best card in the pack, so he takes it, and I just start bawling. 
And then eventually it's like, okay, I'll take a different card from the pack. Uh, so weaponizing my tears early on in, in my magic career. I haven't really brought that one back, but it was really effective. So, you know, watch out. Tune into FNPF sometime. This is someone goes to attack me. I might just start crying instead and hope that they attack someone else. On Brilliant. Night. Yeah. So that was my very first ever draft kind of was revised. Amazing. Ponty Lonti asks, do you think AFR might be the final quote core set experience? And do you like the idea of that? I assume you mean like a set that feels like a core set. I, to be fun, to be honest, I don't actually think AFR feels that much like a core set, but also no, because they only just brought core sets back a couple of years ago and they have a good purpose and the core sets recently have been great. So I sort of assume that next year is going to be a normal core set again. They talked about how AFR was originally intended to be a core set and then they just kept getting more and more into the weeds with the mechanics and making it flavorful for D&D and eventually they were like, all right, fine, look, reins are off, just just make a D&D set. Don't worry about making it a core set. It just happens to fill that time slot in the year where a core set would normally come out. Yeah. Was that addressed in a in an interview or in a Morrow Tumblr or something like that? Like, Yeah, it was on an official article. Yeah, that it, it w- was intended to be a core set and sort of feel like a core set and power level like a core set. And then they were like, ah, that would just be a bad set. Let's just not do that. So like, I don't actually think that this is a core set experience, honestly. Like, I think it's too complicated. It's not a core set, right? It's, it has, you can tell there's some cards where it's like, oh, they could have put another word on this, but instead they just adjusted the stats or something. Like there are some cards in the set where like, yeah, okay, this is like a, this is like a core set feeling sort of card, but mostly, yeah, it feels just like it's a and d set and it's like an expert level set or whatever, like a regular expansion. And, uh, but I remember thinking that it was going to be a core set right up until this question, basically. I'm like, oh, I've just been drafting this set like regularly for the last couple months and it's not a core set. But I also mm-hmm. think that where maybe they've like it seems like at wizards there's some tension between like the people who are like okay core sets are done we don't need them anymore and the people are like actually core sets are important we need them back and i wouldn't be surprised if in the next few years they settle into a balance where it's like there isn't a core set every year like there wasn't a core set this year but there will there i think they want to have core sets on the shelves of the of the lgs i think that's smart if you can always be able to sell a new player like six to ten or a, a box or whatever of packs of core set and have those cards be still relevant in standard i think that's a good idea yeah penultimate question here from peregrine kibble says what is each of your least favorite parts of magic's rules or systems for flavor gameplay or whatever reason that you might like it's just the lands and spells situation from day one right like yeah yeah i think that's yeah every set seems to have at least one mechanic that's trying to address it like cycling addresses it right you have like a six mana creature that obviously it has the stats of six mana but you can also pay two mana to discard it and draw a card so if you're low on mana you cycle if you're high on mana you cast it and like there's there's a ton there's a ton of different abilities throughout magic's history that address getting too few or too many lands so yeah this is basically everyone's least favorite part of magic's rules and systems yeah no full full agree it it, it it's the feelest bad feel bads in magic the gathering is not having the mana you need to cast spells or getting flooded right it's no way to lose a game of magic the gathering however i will take those wins when they happen mm-hmm. yeah you gotta it's the only way to try to claw back at feeling better <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna feel like a pro player doing it but we count those yeah. You know, it's not like, Haha, I'm a genius. My opponent's only drawn three lands. I'm the greatest <laughs> player ever. 
Yeah, but it's like, okay, I'm going to collect this prize pack, but last week it was my turn to lose because I couldn't cast any spells. So. Yeah, exactly. Or, or I didn't draw any spells. Magic players are like, yeah, no, that happens, and it happens to all of us, and it sucks. But we just deal with it. It's like, well... Yeah, no, it's a good moment to acknowledge that it does kind of suck, and like the, the game designers keep trying to make it suck less, and all these mechanics that deal with mana problems have worked to lesser and greater extents over the years and there's there's some really good ones mobile dual face lands are another one of those right and those are pretty fun i think people mostly like mobile dual face lands i like them Mm -hmm. flavor wise i don't know like they fixed damage combat damage going on the stack and like if we were gonna if they were to redesign magic like would they include the stack or would people just take turns playing spells and having spells resolve Oh, I like the stack. I mean, the stack's cool, but it's also like a thing you have to explain to new players almost every time, right? And it yeah. tends to come with some confusion, but it's part of the game, right? It's like how counter spells work and why blue exists. But I, I guess I've explained it a lot and some people are stymied by it. So yeah. I sympathize. No, fair. There. I do like Mark Rosewater's idea to, you know, sort of like if it could be torn down and started again, then you would have the super type of instant. Right. Or flash. Flash would exist, but. I think it was instant that it would be like instant sorcery and then a creature with flash would be an instant creature oh i see okay sure and then flash is n- is no longer an ability but yeah between flash and instant you drop one of them right yeah 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 and you make it into a super type that'd, that'd be neat but that doesn't bug me that's just sort of like yeah well it feels a little clunky i guess because it because then it means that you have to say instants and sorceries on all these cards that instant or sorcery there's no catch-all term for instant and sorcery right because it's non-creature also includes like artifacts and enchantments and things like that and planeswalkers but you know just cards that care about whenever you cast an instant or sorcery it would just be sorcery not caring if it is an instant sorcery or not right oh i think oh I, that didn't sound right because <laughs> i said this, i said the word too many times anyway let's move on to our final question speaking of letting your opponent get mana as you were talking about the lands v spells there from tau the monk do you bolt the bird <laughs> please no no please no every time <laughs> no my bird i only kept one lander <laughs> my avian son i mean that's why right like i mean certainly in draft like i think that this is more so talking for constructed but i feel more compelled to do it in draft because sometimes the opponent will have kept a hand that is loose you know maybe only has one land or maybe doesn't have the right colors of land because they're like well i'll be able to get there because of this mana dork and if you kill the mana dork they might just not do things for several turns <laughs> my bird <laughs> I guess should we should we explain what bolt the bird is for just in case it's it's unclear? I know it feels like it's ingrained to us. Yeah, what's a bolt and what's yeah. a bird? Okay, well, bolt in this case is lightning bolt, which is just deal three damage. In in the case of the phrase bolt the bird, it can refer to any kind of burn or removal spell that you point at a bird, which originally was birds of paradise, a single green mana O one that taps for any color. But again, bird can just mean any like one drop creature that taps for mana happens that golden goose is also a bird so you know it works out well that they gave us a new bird to bolt but you know even the land war elves even if someone goes forest elves and passes the turn you still hear people say bolt the bird which is perhaps perhaps an awkward one for new players Uh (laughs) right it's like shock the elf a lot or shock the goose yeah and i think the real answer is like you know the question really comes up or the 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 saying comes up about turn one right the the opponent has the first play of the game and they make some sort of green mana and make some sort of one mana mana accelerant creature and then you on your turn have red mana available and you have some sort of one red mana removal spell that could target the face 
then that might be your plan. Like you might be on a, a burn deck or it could target this creature or maybe if it's lightning bolt in particular, it might be able to target a better creature down the line that like might kill you like some sort of you know, five, three or nine, three legendary creature from Dominaria. But instead, you're just going to remove your opponent's mana and try to prevent them from doing it. And yeah, as you said, they might have kept a one lander and then their, to- their whole game plan is souped. On the other hand, they might have like six little lands in their hand and they're just going to play their, their threat one turn later. And you're still going to be out that bolt. If you, in, in draft, if you only have one bolt in your deck, it's like a little bit more tenuous whether you make that decision to stop their mana or try to stop their threats. And it's the same with counter spells or any removal or bounce spells, you know, like, and it, the answer should be more flexible while you're playing. But on turn one, if you have plenty of access to burn spells, usually you do spend one stopping their mana. You bring up a good point. I guess it is stomp the goose right now, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. We're about a month Uh, out from both of those cards rotating. But definitely do stomp geese wherever you see them. I mean, don't because that's illegal in Canada. And the goose would probably kick your ass. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll F you up. Yeah, that's true too. But you can stomp on over to Card Kingdom and get your own geese. <sighs> there we go. Cardkingdom.com slash LRR. Thank you for your continued support of our show. And our horrible segues into telling people they should buy their cards from you. That was a fantastic segue, and I will stomp anyone who disagrees. Well, thank you. You can be the you can be the uh, the giant that I bring in after the stomp. If you'd like to be a giant in our eyes, I recommend heading on over to patreon.com forward slash loading ready run, where you can support us for a small monthly contribution. We really appreciate it. You help keep the lights on and keep us making terrible segues. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this Q&A episode of Tap Tap Concede. Thank you all for your questions. Sorry if we didn't get to all of them. I have been Graham, joined by Nelson uh-huh. and Cameron. I was Cameron. James ran the card reader. Jordan edits these. Heather gets them online. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.